All right, how we doing, everybody? It is 9-3-20. I am your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Today, I'm joined by the league leader in Red Talk appearances, Austin Bickett. We break down Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray's epic duel, what the future looks like for the Jazz, Thunder Rockets, Bucks Heat, Celtics Raptors, plus we also get into some NFL. We touch on the Tampa Bay Bucks' new look and what to expect from them in 2020, plus much, much more throughout the next 49 minutes. Our show is, of course, brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. Use promo code RED with two Ds for a $20 bonus on any deposit of $20 or more. Thrive Fantasy is available on any app store, on any mobile phone. A ton of awesome contests out right now for the NBA, and the NFL is just a week away. Our show is also brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. O'Shea's is having a derby party this Saturday, 956 Baxter Avenue at noon. Mint juleps, all the races on. You don't want to miss it. All right, let's get it going. All right, A.B., NBA playoffs round two preview. And they don't make this easy on us because they start the second round before the first round even finishes. So it's pretty cool because it keeps basketball on TV, so I'm glad they do it. It just makes it a little harder for us to do an official second round preview (laughs) because there's so many games that have already happened. But I want to talk about these game sevens that just happened over the last two nights because our state was heavily affected. You had Jamal Murray from UK, Donovan Mitchell battling, breaking records every single night. And then we had my hero, my knight in shining armor, Chris Paul go down by just, just two points to I, what I guess is like my arch rival in the NBA. Now let's start with the nuggets jazz Donovan Mitchell versus Jamal Murray. What'd you think of the series? Yeah, this was the the best first round series I think by a mile. There was those two blowout games, game two or game game two and game three, which is kind of weird now because every other game was so close, pretty much down to the last possession. And the show that Murray and Mitchell put on, especially in games five and six, was one of the craziest head to head battles I've ever seen. And the Jamal Murray performance in game six was literally one of the best performances that I've ever seen. He just doesn't miss shots, or at least he didn't from games four through six. Like you're at a point where you're surprised when Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray misses a shot. And what Murray was doing just off the dribble, like I feel like none of his threes were created for him by teammates. No real catch and shoot, just bringing the ball off the floor, getting a screen. Gobert cannot guard him and Jokic at the same time him and Jokic at the same time. And he just pulls up with barely any space. Like the Jazz's defense, I didn't feel like was horrendous, but it was enough for Jamal Murray. And it, it really, in terms of U of L and UK and the rivalry, I, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in the history of time. Two guys compete at this high of a level in the pros in a NBA playoff series for the longevity of a full seven game series. Can you think of anything? U of L UK history that he was even close to it. No, I was trying to when you sent me that, and I I can't think of anything. This is it was really cool for everybody to watch, but I think it was even cooler for us as Louisville and Kentucky fans. You know, I like Donovan. He's probably my favorite Louisville athlete of all time. He's just a super likable guy. He was never really one of those guys you wanted to root against, even though he was on Louisville. Uh, I like Teddy too, but yeah, I, I can't remember anything like it. I can't even remember anything really like one on one. I mean, you've had like LeBron and. 
KD and stuff in the finals in the past. But, I mean, Steph was always there. Kyrie was always there. This was pretty much one-on-one as much as it can be. It truly was because both of these teams, which I think is going to be drastically exposed by the Clippers in this upcoming round, really are only getting scoring from either one or two guys in the case of the Nuggets. So the Nuggets do pose a bigger threat to the Clippers than the Jazz just because of that. But Donovan Mitchell, I think he represents Louisville possibly better than maybe anybody in the history of time, like and maybe Muhammad Ali, but Donovan, the way he's kind of carried himself throughout this entire playoff process, he's stayed focused on social issues while playing the best basketball of his career without Bogdanovic, which is what people keep forgetting about this Jazz team. They had a guy who's averaged 20 in his NBA career who was really good for the Pacers last year, really good for the Jazz this year, not even attend the bubble. That's a really, really big loss for them, and that really hurt them. They, they were out there playing seven guys in the NBA. It's hard to do. Yeah, when your number two scoring option is Jordan Clarkson, I don't think you're going to go very far. I mean, he did. He had a great performance in the bubble overall. I mean, I tweeted about him a few times. I was like, I mean, what, what's going on out here? Like, when did Jordan Clarkson become this guy who's going to be your second option, getting you 20 a night? But he didn't really sustain that. But, yeah, I mean, game seven, it was it was sloppy. It was ugly. It was maybe the lowest scoring game I've seen in 10 years in the NBA. But it still came down to one possession into the game. And a crazy possession at that. I mean, Torrey Craig missed that layup. Everybody's screaming, don't shoot it, don't shoot it. Then he gets a layup, and then he misses it. And you're like, oh, my God, this is about to end horribly. Conley got a good look. at look, Every angle picture looks like it's going in. Every video, the video slow motion looks like it's going in. Um, just a heartbreaking loss for the Jazz, but an awesome series. And Game 7 wasn't really entertaining, but then it was all at once. So that's all you can ask for at the end. Absolutely. And what Donovan's done in defeat is as impressive of a stat line as you will ever see in sports in a loss. He is the first NBA player in the history of the NBA, which has been going on for a long time, to average 35 plus points in a playoff series, 50 plus percent from the field, 50 plus percent from three and 90 plus percent from the free throw line. Most threes ever made in a playoff series ever. Donovan Mitchell just happened and jamal murray just one behind him <laughs> yeah that, that was murray smashed in there yeah i couldn't believe that but then you got to think at the same time those warriors teams were usually finishing people off in like four or five games so i guess they got a few more attempts at it but still crazy that i mean jamal murray and donovan both put up all these records and like in the same exact series against each other i don't think we'll see a more exciting 1v1 matchup the whole playoffs maybe for a long time because i can't remember one that even came close to that but yeah, it came down to the game seven. They were both content on not letting those guys beat you. And I think the Nuggets supporting cast is just a little better, especially with Bogdanovich out. Um, Jokic hit that one of the craziest shots. You want to call it a crazy shot, but he hits those all the time. Like that is in his arsenal. He takes shots like that all the time. But it was crazy in that moment. So, yeah, he's just a their supporting cast as far as scoring the ball is just a little bit better. And that was all it took. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It, it was just such a good series. It was so fun to watch. And it kind of reminds you of like, wow, we just went through four months where we had none of that. Not even some Division Two basketball that was being <laughs> played competitively. Nothing was going on. And then we get that. Oh, it was just really something. And I, I want to talk about the Jazz a little bit in their future a, after a few more things on Donovan. Donovan Mitchell is a guy who's 23 years old. And he was kind of heavily criticized the last two years for maybe going downward based on what we saw in his rookie year. But 
think he puts to rest all of those negative thoughts with his performance. And he, he loses game seven. He leaves it all out there. He's in the game one or two. He's going nuts. He's looking at the virtual crowd and he's letting them know, I want this. Shit. He wanted that. Shit. He didn't get it, but he played as good as he could. And he loses this game seven heartbreaking way. And after the game, he's getting interviewed and he's like, you know, the way I feel right now is nothing compared to the families of those who have lost their loved ones to police brutality. For somebody that's 23 years old to in that moment, most crushing loss probably of his career, maybe I, that Louisville second round to Michigan, I'm sure sticks with. Him. I would say but, this one hurt a little more. <laughs> maybe. But for that to be on his mind and for him to say that, and we've seen that from Chris Paul, we've seen that from Jamal Murray, I think the league is really, really headed in a positive direction, possibly going to be better than the NBA has ever been in a year, two years. I think it is right now. But you just can't say enough about Donovan Mitchell on and off the floor. And now I want to kind of move to what the Jazz look like. I've been feeling really down on the Jazz. Where's Donovan going to go? He has to go somewhere else. He's never going to win in Utah. But I keep forgetting they have Bogdanovic. You know, I love Bogdanovic. I'm a huge Pacers guy. They have a number two score. You know, probably should be a number three or a number four if you're going to win a title. But they're not as far away as I felt like they were when I was watching this team in the bubble. Donovan's supposed to sign this Supermax with them. Everybody's been tweeting that. Like the day after the game. I, I don't know how they get this information. Doesn't seem like Donovan to already tell him that. What do you think? Donovan's future looks like what does this jazz team look like next year yeah I don't know why he would first of all I think everybody kind of wanted to see Donovan leave even me who I don't I mean Kentucky fan like but I still like Donovan I, every time somebody a big superstar gets eliminated in like the first round everybody starts photoshopping their jersey onto every possible team that could even think about bringing them in there's Lakers heat you know all this other teams and for him to just agree I don't know if he was just like a verbal agreement or what, but for him just be like, yeah, I'm staying. Like, I'm going to resign the max. I mean, the Jazz can't offer him more than anybody else by quite a bit, which is a cool thing with the Supermax. You get to keep your star players, and they don't just leave for the same amount of money somewhere else. Uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, they're they're going to be – they're always going to be in that probably four to six range for me. I don't really think they can win. I mean, Conley's not the Conley he was in Memphis. I don't really – I don't think that really worked out as good as they thought it was going to. He had his moments like that first game back when he hit like seven threes or something, but he's not going to give you that every night. And Gobert's good. He's probably the best defensive big man in the game, but at some point you got to score. You got to have an offensive package. And I don't know if he has that. They had that little falling out. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gobert maybe got traded this offseason or maybe next offseason. But yeah, like you said, the, the Jazz are good. They're always going to be a playoff team. They're always going to be a team that could beat anybody in the league on a given night, but I can't see them making it out of the second round with the current roster they have? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think for Donovan to ever win a championship, he would have to eventually leave Utah. And yes, Utah can pay him more than any other team. They can offer him that supermax, which incentivizes staying with your current franchise. But what he can do is he can sign that supermax, and then he can get mad in yeah. a year or two. He yeah, no, there's really no guarantee. Like yeah, contracts in the NBA don't really mean anything besides the money. The years on them don't really mean anything. If you want out, you're going to get out eventually because it's so much easier to facilitate a fair trade for both sides in the NBA as opposed to the NFL or something like that. Like it, The numbers don't mean anything. If Donovan decided the day after he signed his contract he wanted out, it might take a while, but he'd get out. Absolutely. And if he signs that Supermax with the Jazz, he's going to make a bunch of extra money that he can't make anywhere else. And then the Jazz – 
they have to trade him. He's he's holding out. He doesn't want to go anymore. They didn't make any moves. Somebody got hurt. They they're twenty and sixty or something. They got to trade him. He's going to get traded. He's still going to make that money somewhere else. So I think for his career, you know, his contract's going to stay the same. He may as well sign this thing in Utah, maximize his financial profit, and then have a shot at going elsewhere. But yeah, the Jazz. The only thing that's possibly going for him is they do have Bogdanovic coming back. And there isn't a super team in the NBA right now. The Lakers and the Clippers are probably a player away from everybody being like, damn, here's Warriors too. If this team doesn't win it, it's a fluke. They're minus 200 to win the title before the year. Those two teams are a player away from having those type of odds. But without that, it is kind of wide open. The Jazz could maybe build a solid 10-man rotation. And then we'll see what they see where they go. But they played that game six, and they played Jawan Morgan from Indiana like two or three minutes. Like they legit played five players. And if they would have gone out there against the Clippers, tried to play five guys against the Clippers' depth, yeah, they would have gotten ugly. Yeah, I, I think the Clippers probably beat the Nuggets in five or six, but they have a much better chance just with their pure ability to score opposed to the Jazz. Uh, I mean, if the Clippers play the way they're supposed to and the Lakers play the way they're supposed to, we're going to get that matchup that we've been waiting for since the season even started, but they still got to go through the Rockets and the Nuggets, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens, but I expect them both to make it to that Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I think we're going to see the Battle of L.A. in the Western Conference Finals for sure, and honestly, the Nuggets and the Jazz, you said earlier, Jazz are the best defensive center in the NBA. We've always liked Donovan's defense. Uh, The the Nuggets might be the worst defensive team in the NBA. Charles Barkley called them the worst defensive team that he's ever seen of all time, all levels, and they, they really are that bad. And the thing about the Clippers is they're the complete opposite. They have like six different wings that can really go out and give different looks to people like Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray. It is going to be really, really tough. Jamal Murray is going to have to go for uh, yeah. 40 plus if they're ever going to win a game. Yeah. Um, spread on game one tonight is nine, not in nine to 10, depending on where you look. I think that's fair. Um, wouldn't this might sound stupid tomorrow if the Nuggets come out and win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Clippers blowout tonight based on the rest they've had. The, I mean, the Nuggets had to come back from 3 1. Like they, every game, the last three games for them have been win or go home. You know, they're exhausted. You know, they're just, I'm not going to say happy to be there, but they're just glad to still be playing. Uh, I hope they come out and at least keep it competitive for the fans' sakes, but maybe not for the whole series, but I think tonight is probably dangerous territory for a blowout. I think that the Clippers just roll tonight it. and we'll just cut, cut all of this if wrong, yeah, as, as I always do. Move to Houston, Oklahoma City. So this series had about as many storylines as, as a Oscar winning movie this thing's beautiful you got chris paul they didn't want him they shipped him off to oklahoma city who's he going to get traded to no way he finishes the season for oklahoma city boom there they are game seven chris paul and a bunch of guys that you just cannot believe are in a game seven about to beat the rockets shea gilgis alexander was fantastic in the series steven adams does a lot of jogging out there Wanted more from him, but yeah, Westbrook playing against his former team, Harden trying to exercise these playoff demons. So much going on, and it comes down to the last possession again. What do you think of the series? Uh, this was the most exciting as far as like storylines heading into it, and this was um, I tweeted before it started that I thought the Thunder had the best chance to pull the upset, and then we were talking when the Blazers were up at one zero. I kind of switched a little bit. That was a bad decision. Should have stuck with my original thought but uh yeah i think the base if you told me last night that james harden was going to shoot like three of 16 or whatever he shot the the first three and a half quarters of that game like oh i mean like 
same old James Harden game seven, like Thunder moving on. And they could have, but when Lou Dort is your best player offensively for a night and he's taking 20 shots a game, he played great, but that's not a winning formula for the Thunder. And uh, just a tough way to go out, not even being able to get a shot off at the buzzer. They had that that free throw, which was a big miss for me. But, I mean, Danilo Garnari looked like he had never touched a basketball in his life. His arms, like, flinched up, like, three times. What's like, he doing was, out there? At the, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have mattered, I guess. They would have just lost by one. I mean, it would have, it would have hurt me because I had Rockets minus one and a half live. But you got to think he was thinking about me when he missed that free throw. But just the, seeing that lack of confidence when the, there's not even any fans in the building. I mean, you can't say the like the fans were going crazy. Like, I don't know. But I the think Thunder, the tension was that high. Yeah. Just between I, the teams. I, on my time hop a couple of days ago, I tweeted, no chance Chris Paul ever plays a game for the Thunder. Like, he'll be traded. So add that up to another one of my cold takes. Just, the the I mean, where would that Thunder be without Chris Paul? Not even just the, the stats he put up, but just like the leadership and the team bonding and all that. Like, hell of a year from the Thunder, and Chris Paul still doing it at thirty five, and oldest player of the triple double in Game Seven. Just sucks it it ended the way it did. You can't say enough about Chris Paul. I mean, we've been blessed with fifteen NBA seasons from the guy. Like you said, oldest player to get a triple double in the playoffs. Wow, I, I just I I love that guy so much, and people forget. They, they probably don't forget because they tell you like every 10 minutes during the NBA broadcast. But this bubble only happened because of Chris Paul, president of the Players Association. This guy can do anything. He's a wonderful leader for the entire league and especially in Oklahoma City. I don't think that team has a shot at making the playoffs without him. And it'll be really interesting to see what their future looks like. But either way, hats off to the Thunder. It's like the Thunder and the Jazz, really, you, you the game ends in Game 7, and you're really not disappointed in either of them. You're like, wow, you guys both maximized your potential, and you almost made it further than you should have. Yeah, I'm, I mean, before the, the Thunder already made it way farther than they should have. Before the season started, they had a 0.2% chance based on all those computer simulations and stuff, and they were one shot away from eliminating the team with the third best odds to come out of the West. I mean, with Harden and Russ and all that. I know Russ didn't play a couple games, but... Yeah, like you said, I mean, just no disappointment in the Thunder at all. They performed well above expectations and honestly probably should have won last night and should still be playing. Uh, I'm, I was kind of torn. I wanted the Thunder to win for the story and Chris Paul and Shea and all those guys, but uh, at the same time, I'd much rather watch Rockets-Lakers than Thunder-Lakers. Sure, and we, we have no idea what we're going to see in this Rockets and Lakers, Lakers series. We're about to move to it, but – on, on Lou Dort, I mean, what was going on last night? You told me before the podcast you had his over on rebounds, points, and assists, and it was 13. He went for 30. Every shot that he took in that entire series, including in Game 7 when he made a bunch of them, it left his hand, and I said, no chance. Out loud. Yeah, and I, I was right so much. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Rockets probably said that too. I mean, their game plan was to leave him wide open, and the only reason that I bet that is because I know this guy's going to get 15 open shots a game if he makes three of them and gets a couple bounces his way i'm probably gonna cash i bet it twice in the series i hit it both times he didn't but he didn't go over it like four or five times so i kind of just got lucky on that but uh you know he could he could end up being a pretty good player he played the best defense i've ever seen anybody play on harden i mean you could tell harden was visibly frustrated most of the game and i love those guys that just commit to their role they know they're not scores i mean he took a lot of shots because he kind of had to he was the only person that's out of the court but he uh he was not scared of hard and they went to the same college they used to play pickup together all the time so i guess he's seeing all his little tricks and stuff so uh if he can just 
get that shot a little better, then he's going to be a solid NBA player for a long time. He's like the youngest player to ever drop 30 in a Game 7 in NBA history. Only undrafted rookie in a Game 7 to get 30, which makes a ton of sense. Why would an undrafted rookie be in a situation where they could get 30 in a Game 7? But in the words of Jay-Z, public service announcement, this ain't a movie, dog. The Rockets advance. They play the Lakers now. That's their gift. Anthony Davis and LeBron, the best tandem since Kobe and Shaq. Hard to know what to expect in this series because, man, the Lakers guards, they're bad. And they yeah, can't that's... really shoot anymore. And the Rockets are three-point oriented. They got Eric Gordon back. And he looked really good last night. He did. But Westbrook and Harden, both of them, they, they look like shells of themselves. They don't really scare you. Neither of them are shooting the ball well from three at all right now. What kind of chances do you give the Rockets against the Lakers? Well, it's always hard predicting the Rockets against anybody because it, it just going to come down to how many threes are they going to hit. You know, they're going to shoot 45 a game. It's just, are they going to hit 25 or are they going to hit 15? Like, I don't know. Robert Covington had a great series. Um, I think the Lakers are really going to miss Avery Bradley in this series. I mean, Danny Green going to stop, slow down, stay in front of Russ or Harden, and Rondo's coming back. I don't really know, but at the same time, um, Anthony Davis, I mean, four inches taller than everybody on the court, minimum. The Rockets don't employ a center. I've been saying that. I tweeted that he was going to average 35 and 20 a game against him, but – Turns out PJ Tucker has held him to the lowest field goal percentage guarding him out of any player in the NBA. So I don't know if that's just luck or wow. Uh, I don't know. I expect the Lakers to win. I do think the Rockets get at least two. I would say Lakers and six if I had to pick. But uh, yeah, I mean they make some shots. They could they could win. But the Lakers are the better team. I think LeBron and AD are locked in. They're not going out in the second round. So uh, we'll see what happens. But like I said, I'm much more excited to see this series. And if the Thunder were playing them, I think the Thunder would have zero chance to beat them. Yeah, if the Rockets can make their threes, you're looking at a series like what you just said. It's like, well, how are these Lakers guards going to stop Harden and Westbrook? Well, they're probably not. How are the Rockets going to slow down Davis and LeBron? Well, they're probably not. And I think it's going to be a lot of high-scoring basketball, but it all comes down to whether the Rockets make shots. But the Rockets are a way better three-point shooting team than the Lakers and most other teams in the league, especially with the ghost of Danny Green out there, who's might be the Lakers' third best player, who, I mean, it's been a while since I watched him make a live shot. Maybe I'm missing it, but I, I don't know. I, this series, it, it's like, of course you expect the Lakers to win. Have we watched the Rockets in game six and seven? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, who, who knows? The Rockets could come out there and make some shots. It's just like, James Harden, I'm over it, you know? I'm over it. Like you are with Giannis, and we're going to get to it in a second. Like, do something. Poking him yeah. with a stick. Do something. I mean, Harden has hard, – the case against Harden is even worse. He's been doing this way longer, and he is, like, supposed to be the best offensive scorer. Giannis does a lot. Giannis gets rebounds. He plays defense. He's defense player of the year. I mean, Harden is the guy. Go out and get us a bucket. And this is, I was trying to find all the stats from James Harden. I couldn't find a good site comparing them all, but game seven stats, but – I know it's not great. I know last night was the first one they've won in seven attempts, and it wasn't because of Harden. He got that block late in the game. but And then he's yelling. Like, yeah. hey, come on. He blocked Lou Dort, who had a great game, but he's still Lou Dort. If he doesn't block that, I don't think it hits the rim anyways. And right after that happens, Mark Jackson's on the broadcast, and he's like, well, that that puts to rest all the talk about James Harden. Yeah, one play is from the block side. I don't I'm really like, consider no. it. Well, I hope he tried hard. Is one second left in a game seven, and they're up yeah. two. Why would he not be trying hard on defense? It was a nice move to uh, dodge that throw by – well, he stepped out of bounds anyways, but in live time you didn't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really – I mean, it's good defense if you block a shot, I guess, but 
he wasn't over there when he caught the ball. I, good defense to me is like staying in front of somebody and then getting a good contest. He just ran over and got the ball from the side, which a good play in a big moment. But Harden, I mean, Harden's not no lockdown guard. Like no, no. Harden's he, the first thing he said in the interview was like, "I played like shit tonight." Like at least he knows. Yeah, and I hate his hair. His hair looks terrible. Yeah, it doesn't stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't have very high hopes for the Rockets going into this series. But the one thing that we say about the Rockets Rockets every year going into any series, any playoffs, we have no idea. No clue what we're going to yeah, get from. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to if they make their threes. And they've never been able to string together enough to make a run in the playoffs, really. They had that one. They should have beat the Warriors. And then they missed, what, nine, 27 threes in a row in Game 7 or something like that. And they blew a 14-point second-half lead. Like, it's – well, we're going to get to Giannis, but like, like show me first until I'm not going to believe it until you show me. Yeah, we just got to start making our threes. That's all. Jack <laughs> yeah, just just make, make 30 shots from 35 feet out and then you may win the series. <laughs> no, yeah, they probably will. Uh, yeah. The Heat, who I correctly predicted that they were going to come out of the East, I'm already going to chalk it up as a win. I'm just going to say it. Uh, they're up 2-0. And anybody that's watching the Heat and the Bucks series will tell you that these two teams are even. Or the Heat might be even better than them. The Heat are getting all this random production that doesn't seem random to people like you and I out of Tyler Harrow, who is an incredible basketball player, great shooter, great ball handler, great defender. The Heat are really good. And the Heat have guys that are making shots that are kind of like Chris Paul said, Jimmy Butler built for this moment. Game two kind of gets ruined by a phantom foul call, but... Really, I mean, you, you looked at the Bucks going into this series. They're minus 600 to win the series. Now, the Heat are favored. It's like it's an even line, essentially. And the Bucks have to win four games, like uh, basically in a row, if, if they're going to have it four out of five. What do you think? Can the Bucks come back? Yeah, like you, I was all, I've been on Heater. At least I didn't say they were going to come out of the East. I was on the Raptors. That doesn't look great right now. But no. uh, Raptors should have won game two. They choked that. But, um, I did say that he were going to be the Bucks. I've been calling the Bucks Bucks frauds basically since the bubble restarted. Uh, the, the Heat are just deeper. They play better defense. They want they want it more. They have better role players. I mean, Giannis is the best player on the court by a mile. Like it's not really close. But the Heat, I mean, Chris Middleton, he played good in game two. But I don't believe in based on how much he gets paid. I don't believe that's the the number two. The Pippen to all the Pippen Giannis talk. I don't think that's his Pippen out there. I don't think you're going to win a title with Chris Middleton as your number two. But yeah, I mean, the Heat want it more. I don't think anybody in the bubble wants it as bad as Jimmy Butler does. I mean, he told his family, you're not coming down here. I got stuff to do. Like, you're not coming down here to distract me. So yeah, I don't I don't think the Bucks are dead yet. Um, they probably are the team that's getting the most screwed as far as no home court advantage, no fans at the games, because I doubt they'd be down 0-2 if both games were in Milwaukee. But Ain't no rules in the bubble, and I still like the Heat to win this series. I know it means a lot less now they're up 2-0, but, yeah, I'm out on the Bucks. Yeah, the Heat just have a better five out there at all times, it seems like. Giannis, absolutely the best player on the floor, but the Heat are way more likely to get hot from three. And they're up 2-0. They have nothing to lose at this point. And they were basically gifted that game, too. I mean, they did everything they could to lose it. They, they tried to make it 1-1 so the NBA could be a little more interesting, but it, it just yeah. wouldn't happen. And yeah, that foul call, both the foul calls at the end of the game sucked. The, the one on Jimmy Butler was worse. Like, you could maybe argue for the Chris Middleton going up, Dragic kind of got him with his body. I personally wouldn't call that in a playoff game with once like four seconds left, but 
the Butler one was bad. It was after the shot. You shouldn't decide a game like that. But at the same time, I feel like the better team on that night still won. The Heat were winning the whole game. They were up double digits for the majority of the game. and Up six with 19 seconds yeah. left. I would have felt more cheated by the refs if the Bucks had won on a call like that. But, uh, yeah, I hate when refs decide games, and both those calls were pretty bad to me. But, like I said, the better team ended up winning, I think. So, it's all good. Move on to game three. The Bucks are in trouble. They're Heat great. up. Yeah, I'm down. The Heat probably have the best ball movement in the NBA. They get so many open threes, and if Hero and Duncan Robinson are going to keep hitting them, but if guys like Jay Crowder are hitting threes, like you're probably not going to beat them. No, no, Jay Crowder, Iguodala, they're banging them on you. Yeah. you know, we we got to pack it up. And yeah, speaking of a, another team that's probably about to pack it up, we have the North, the Toronto Raptors, who you predicted to come out of the East. Wasn't a terrible pick. They they were showing you nothing but awesome teamwork, great movement on defense, and it looks like the Celtics are just way better than them. Uh, the Celtics, I, I think they have the three best players on the floor, like with, with Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Jalen Brown. I don't think I'm taking anybody on the Raptors over them, which yeah, is crazy fair. to say, but I, I feel like it's true. I don't I don't think uh, Siakam's on that level yet, especially not offensively. Yeah, and he's been bad. Yeah, Lowry hasn't been the same. They're not getting 30 points a night from Van Vliet, which they're shocked by. I'm not exactly shocked by it, but it, it may help them not give him $100 million in the offseason. But what are you thinking about this series? Yeah, so the Raptors, the Raptors were my pick. It obviously doesn't look good now. I don't feel good about it. But I also don't feel like stupid for saying it because the series should be 1-1 right now. The Raptors, they laid an egg in game one, but they bounced back in game two. They played great. They built a lead. The, everybody was playing good, and then Marcus Smart went nuts, and they they just folded as soon as he started hitting all those shots. As soon as the Celtics took the lead, you're like, okay, this is this is probably over now. But uh, yeah, I don't feel bad, but about my pick, but Spicy P has to be Spicy P better, and Fred Van Vliet has to get back to what he was doing, or they got no chance. I'm hoping they by the time people listen to this, they made this series two one just for even if the Raptors don't win. I don't, and I'm not, I don't like the smartest guy in the room. I just want a, a good series, not a. 4-1 or 4-0. I hope the uh, Raptors can at least – they're, they're favored tonight. I mean, they've been favored the last two games. Vegas is kind of with me too. Um, I hope that they make this 2-1 and that we get a little more basketball to watch. But, yeah, I thought this would be the best series in the second round as far as length of games and, like, competitive games overall. The Celtics definitely have the talent to win the East. But, yeah, it, it was a toss-up from the start. But it looks like it's going to be Celtics now unless the Raptors change something quick. Yeah, th this definitely felt like a series that was going to go six or seven games like these teams are really even, but they, they kind of look like the Toronto before they had Kawhi. Like, yeah, because he's not there anymore. <laughs> are, are they that again, though? Like, are they going to be a really good regular season team and not be able to get it done in the playoffs because of how they're aligned until they get another star there? I don't know. I, I tell you what, Jason Tatum, tough guy yeah, to top. He's on another level. I mean, he's he's been good. He's been that all star for two like the two years he's been in the league now. But he's really taken it up another level in the playoffs, and that's what you want your your best players to do. Like Donovan did, Jamal Murray did. He's doing it now. Um, yeah, I mean, if he keeps playing like that, they're going to be tough to beat. And if Spicy P doesn't get more, not only to play better, just get more aggressive and start getting some shots to fall, it's going to be going to be a quick series for Toronto. And uh, whoever wins that series, it's going the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be awesome, regardless. I agree. I completely it with both uh, with, with Bucks yeah. and Heat too. Yeah, and yeah. Um, did you see? I mean, it came from my sports legion, so you know it's not like that. Uh, Giannis is um, there's an open narrative in the bubble that Giannis is going to be on the Heat or the Raptors within the next two years. That's where he wants to go. 
I could see somebody wanting to go to Miami. You got that oh, Will yeah. Smith song. Uh, yeah. LeBron went there. It worked out for him. Why not? Miami sounds like yeah. a great place. I mean, Giannis, Jimmy, Bam, they can keep Hero. Well, if they had to trade for him, they had to give up Hero, Duncan, one of those, maybe both and some picks. But they add him to that team. They're going to be the East favorites for the next five, six years. Yeah, I completely agree. And it'll be interesting to see how this uh, series pans out. I, I really like the Celtics. Well, indeed, on the block, too. He could end up down in Miami, too. Yeah, you'd think the Warriors trade for one of those guys with that second pick, trade for Simmons or Embiid. Uh, Embiid on the Warriors would be terrifying. I think Simmons is a better fit for the Warriors. Play Simmons yeah, the center. Spread everybody out. You're still the Warriors. I, uh, I mean, the way they've played in the in the past, yeah. I, yeah, just think, I, I think the Sixers, if they're going to trade one of those guys away, I think it has to be Simmons. Has to be Simmons. Yeah, I think they keep Embiid. Ooh, I don't know. Neither of them can walk for like six months in a row. Yeah, One of them is going to get hurt yeah. every time. So it it's a tough spot. Sixers slowly became a dumpster fire, but they're about to hire Tyron Lue, who is a really good basketball coach if he has LeBron James on his team. Yeah, champion. People forget. Well, Tyron Lue, yeah. only, only coach to ever come back from down 3-1 in the finals. Oh, man, I, I definitely – don't think about that every day. Let's move to something that's that's really, really awesome. It, it feels like it's really going to happen. It, football, right around the corner. That's really, really crazy to say. I know there was a, a game on last week. I actually didn't watch it because I'm like a, a normal person. You know, I was like living my normal life. And you are are gambling on Central Arkansas, tweeting about every, watch every play. play. Yeah, it's crazy to me, but that's fine. I know you're excited about football, and we have some real, actual teams playing this upcoming weekend. So not not in a day, but next weekend, Louisville's going to host WKU. It's going to be exciting. The NFL's really close, too. How are you feeling? NFL is one week away, about one week and about an hour and a half. It'll be about one week away. Uh, dude, I can't. I can't wait. I mean, football is my favorite sport by a mile. Every day I wake up, it's just a little better than the last day. The sun just shines a little brighter. I can't believe it's finally here. This offseason has been tougher than any other offseason based on there was no sports to watch for four months instead of basketball to get me to July and all that. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's actually going to happen. It seems like they got all this COVID stuff under control. Knock on wood. Hopefully nothing messes up with that. There's a there's a small game playing tonight. Uh, UA, uh, UAB and Central Arkansas, same team. That All the tests came back negative right before the game. They're about to kick off. So let's play some ball. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm more excited for the NFL because I think NCAA is just going to be a little weird this year. And I always love the NFL a little more. But uh, yeah, Kentucky doesn't start till September 26th, I think. So got a little while for them. But I'm excited to watch some uh, some real Power 5 teams next week and not this Central Arkansas stuff. Yeah, it's coming. I can't imagine Central Arkansas is that entertaining. Not more entertaining than the NBA playoffs for the Cubs. Not enough at all to crack one of my four TVs at any given time. Yeah, but, they're plus 20 tonight, so maybe don't tune in. Should we uh, blow out? <laughs> the Cubs play during the afternoon today. We, they might it might make the fourth TV. But, yeah, it's coming, and it looks like there might be some fans. Most of the stadiums are going about 20% capacity. Georgia's going to pile 24,000 people in there, which might seem like a lot, but you got to remember, their stadium can fit 96,000, and it usually does on a Saturday in Athens. So what do you think the season looks like for college or the NFL in terms of fans being there? Yeah, so fans are pretty much – it all comes down to the school. Everybody's – or the conference, everybody's kind of doing something different. So I can't really keep up with who's doing what, who's having fans, who's not having fans. But uh, I think 
I mean, those stadiums are so big. I think 20% is not going to look anything in there. I think you can you can do that safely. You can get make some money off the people and still give the the team a little bit of a home field advantage. It's not going to be anything like it has been in the past, but it'll be nice to see some real fans in, in a sports game for the first time in six months. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. I think football, it's, it might be the weirdest sport without fans to me. Basketball doesn't really look that much different. No, it's the exact same. All you, can, all you can ever see is the court, but football, the cameras, there's so much dead time in football. Like there's so much, the amount of actual in play time in football is so low. Like most of the time is between snaps and stuff like that. They always pan it into the crowd and stuff. It's it's going to be weirder than basketball or baseball, I think. But yeah, um, NFL is going pretty much no fans everywhere, I think, for the first couple of weeks at least. I know the Broncos said first four home games, nobody's coming. So Maybe if uh, everything is going good, they'll bring people in for the the last four. But I'm just excited for football. I don't really care who's in the crowd, how many people they got, as long as the players are out there. And the fans aren't going to get the players sick. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't they're so far that. away from them. Yeah. So. And, and for me, personal experience, I didn't notice it at the time because I didn't know what socially distance meant or that it could be such an important part of my life in a year, two years, three years. But since Cardinal Stadium expanded, I don't know if I've ever felt more socially distanced at a place than I do when I'm in there. It's a huge stadium. The seats are almost never full. People get there late and they usually leave early. So I I think that is a fine place to hang out way better than your local Kroger or your local gas station where you're in an enclosed space with a bunch of people and you're way closer than six feet apart in a lot of situations. So I, I mean, I think it works in football better than a lot of other sports just because of the room. But I think the schools need to take the, precautionary measures and i'm sure that they have just to make sure people are not seated next to each other uh like you know in terms of their actual tickets they're, they're selling the 20 percent in a, sp- a spaced out manner which i feel like they probably are I, I think that they should at least try to have some fans in there and for the nfl it's like you said who cares like baseball's weird without fans behind the backstop without them in the crowd to catch all these cubs home runs but I don't care. Yeah, I could care less that they're not there. I don't notice it at all anymore. It's become completely normal. It's only been a month and a half, and it will be that way for football too. These fantasy rosters look the same, man. I'm pumped up. Yeah, me too. And everybody, like, when all the fans, no fan stuff was coming out at first, like, it seemed so weird. Like, I remember when March Madness tweeted they weren't going to have fans, and everybody was freaking out, including myself. I was like, that's going to be weird when somebody hits a, a buzzer beater and no one goes nuts. It's just silent. But now I would have done anything for the tournament to happen and nobody been in the building. Like, yeah. as long as the players are playing, it's going to be good content. It's going to be something to watch on TV and drink to and gamble to. Um, like, everybody was saying, going into the bubble, like, oh, this is going to be an asterisk year. This, is, this isn't this is a real championship. But this has been some of the best basketball that we've ever seen as NBA fans. It's, and we're only through one round. With the fans, it's like the, the team – the team, they're the fans. You know, they care more than everybody anyway. And if you're watching the NBA, it's like, watch the Clippers bench. You know, watch the Clippers bench. Just tune in. They're talking to every player on the other team the entire game. They're incredibly supportive. Everybody's up. I think it's the same. I think it's even more exciting with the benches being the fans. In terms of what's actually going on on the field, we've had a few things happen. We had Alvin Kamara going in the top five of fantasy drafts, and then you're seeing tweets that he's going to be traded, he's holding out, and then tweets are like, oh, no, he's at practice, he's not going to be traded, everything's totally fine. You don't know what to believe. 
we don't know if we're really going to get a full season in. I think you'd expect to, but you know, the, the NFL is going to be the only league of the three major pro sports leagues like to try to do their normal season. The NBA and the MLB had to make a ton of on-the-fly adjustments to make this work. MLB shortens it from 162 to 60. The NBA moves to a bubble. They, they cut out a bunch of games. The NFL is going to try to play all 16 it's going to be really it's it's like so hard to predict you know you're drafting fantasy teams you're trying to make these picks for week 1 and we really have no idea what we're going to see from these guys but big news the other night big news last night Leonard Fournette going to the Bucks could the Bucks have any more big name personas on their offense yeah i mean that i think as soon as he got cut that was kind of everybody was like oh this is kind of destined for the Bucks same state i mean they're on the come up with Brady and Godwin and Evans and Gronk and all these guys. And you think the only thing they're missing is a running back and hey, they let him clear waivers and nobody picked him up. So they got him for even cheaper. I mean, there's no reason the Bucks wouldn't want this guy. I mean, I know he was kind of supposed to be a little better than he has been as far as where he was drafted. It's always risky to draft a running back in the top five of a draft, especially when that same draft was had Mahomes and Watson in it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a good pickup for the Bucks. I don't really know fantasy wise. I don't really know how it's going to go with Ronald Jones also there. I think Leonard Fournette is clearly better than him, but they kind of have different styles of gameplay. So uh, they're definitely like the trendy Super Bowl pick just because of Brady and all the weapons they have on offense. And their defense was pretty good last year. I think they had the number one defense against the run last year. So yeah, I think the Bucks will still be good. But to me, it's it's still the Saints' division to lose. I think the Bucks probably go about ten and six, something like that. Uh, Brady. He's he's forty two or forty one, whatever he is. Um, he looked a little little off last year, a little bit. We don't have no idea what we're getting from Gronk, who's been out of the NFL for a year and a half. Um, so I guess we'll see, but they'll definitely be must watch TV. They they're definitely going to be must watch TV, and it really interesting situations going on everywhere in Tampa Bay because Fournette is an absolute specimen out there. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody run with such force and speed at LSU. But another thing about him is he can't catch, and he apparently doesn't work all that hard. So, you know, two major issues. But thank God they have seven other running backs, like Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, LaShawn McCoy's in the house. They're all employed with the same team. So if he can't do some of those things, you'd think they'd be able to figure it out. But with Tom Brady... He's 40-something years old, which who knows what that is in normal people years. But Tom Brady's over 40. And last year, his second best receiver was Philip Dorsett. So now you go into this Bucks offense where you get Gronk back. You have Godwin and Mike Evans who are going in the first two rounds of fantasy drafts. It's the most talent that he's had since Randy Moss was a Patriot. And if he's got anything left in the tank, this Bucks team should be pretty good. With the extra playoff team... You think they're definitely going to get in there? Yeah, I think they'll get in there. And uh, they're obviously going to be dangerous once they get in because they do still have Brady and they do still have all those weapons. I don't think they're a team you want to see. But to me, I still think the on paper, the Saints are just the better team. Obviously, one injury can change everything. Or maybe I'm just wrong. But <laughs> I like the Saints to win that division. And I'm not really sure what this does fantasy-wise for the Buccaneers backfield. I probably personally wouldn't want to own any of those guys. But – I mean, why would you not pick Fournette up? He's probably the, the best available running back by a mile, and they got him for pretty cheap. So, Yeah, and yeah, the Bucks, we need to see it. In terms of fantasy, we just got to see who's getting the ball, who's involved, who's not involved, and we're not going to know from, for four weeks. But it's a very interesting division. You got Teddy going to the Carolina Panthers. They have the best running back in football. Their receiving core is, is probably one of the worst. And then 
you have the Falcons who are on our no bet list, the NBL, <laughs> and uh, they still have Julio Jones and they signed Todd Gurley. I dare that to work. Like, I, God, I that dare. would be tough for you. <laughs> Dare that to work. I, I'm not even worried about it. It's not going to work. It's the only move they made this offseason. Signing Todd Gurley, they lost Austin Hooper. Hayden Hurst, eh, try me. The Falcons are going 6-10. and 10. But I, I like the Buccaneers. I like what they're doing. Obviously love the Saints. It's going to be an interesting division. Uh, last thing before we get out of here. You're into baseball. Yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't really watched baseball since like 2008 or nine, probably. I uh, just kind of lost full interest in it, but now I can bet on it, and uh, now there's nothing else on during the day, really, besides a little basketball. So, yeah, I know the most about baseball that I have in probably 10-plus years. I'm enjoying watching it, especially when I'm winning bets. Uh, I love watching the Padres. Definitely my favorite team to watch. Got a World Series future on them. What'd you get uh, it at? Uh, plus 2,200. Oh, whole house, whole house I live with. Uh, we all have 35 to 1. We watch them every night together, right after the cup. Can't be a good sign if we all are holding a big future ticket. No, it's cool. We'll, we'll get to have fun. With yeah, it. but imagine if they make a run. It's going to be a movie every night they play. Uh, it is. Yeah. They're going to play the Dodgers in the second round. They're yeah, going to get eliminated, tough. but it's going to be fun until then. Yeah, it is tough. They're uh, in the same division as the Dodgers who are just a machine. They just beat the shit out of everybody. They walked yeah. off last night when they had zero runs going into the bottom of the ninth. They yeah, still won. Don't sleep. Don't yeah. sleep that. But I'm glad that you're into baseball, man. Baseball is always on and you can find, especially if you're gambling on it, you can find something yeah. interesting with every single game. Yeah. I'm not gambling on it anymore, but I will give you words of advice. You know, I, I went through that year where you lose a lot because, you know, you, you think you have things figured out. But with baseball, you never have them. Yeah, it's definitely out. probably the toughest sport to bet for me just because I, I I don't know as much anyways I can only name probably a couple players on most teams but uh once once football starts back up I'll probably tone I'll probably stop betting on the MLB completely especially on the weekends uh, but I'll get back into it when the playoffs start up I mean I've I think the shortened season uh, has done a lot for me as well like every game kind of matters a little bit more and I like these seven inning double headers I think every game should be seven innings personally yeah it's ridiculous when there takes seven off like innings, an it takes off like can. an hour of the game yeah, I work so hard for those nine innings, and they rip them away from me. I know you think, you know, well, you get 14 total. It's not the same because I'm going to miss probably the first seven because I'm at work. It, yeah. It's tough. But, it, yeah, every game should be nine innings. That's not true. But a few things on it. we got eight teams in the playoffs on each side. The first round is all going to be hosted by the lower seed. So it's best of three. All, you know, for the Cubs, they, they play the Cardinals in the first round of the season end of the day. So all three of those games will be at Wrigley Field. And then there's a lot of buzz that they're going to do a bubble after that for the remaining teams, which I think is really smart. The MLB looked dead in the water when you heard about this Marlins situation and the Cardinals missed two and a half, three weeks. But they've really kind of on the fly pulled it together, got it figured out. And we're poised for possibly one of the coolest and most entertaining playoffs in the history of baseball. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I like the I like the expanded teams. I think it's only fair with the the weird season. You got to try out as much new stuff as you can, and uh, the when you cut the season by 100 games, I mean, you got to let some more teams in because who knows what would have happened if you played a full season. Some of these teams probably would have fell off. Some of these teams probably would have got it together after the trade deadline and the All Star break and all that. So, yeah, I'm excited for the uh, MLB playoffs. It'll be going on right in the middle of uh, NFL and college football regular seasons. So it's gonna be gonna be a great time to be a sports fan and. I think uh, I think we're pretty much out of this cancellation, postponed, leagues canceled stuff. I think we made it. It feels good. The benefit with the NFL is they have 
first of all, they're not even testing like these other leagues are. I think their daily testing ends in like four days or something. The players are trying to get that extended, which you should get tested every day if you're playing in these leagues. But making millions of dollars, yeah. As of now, they don't have the daily testing. As after this week, they have like twice a week testing or something. But uh, they have they have a week between games, and you might see a game canceled here and there, which will suck on Sundays when you're. And it's gonna be might be a crazy fantasy season, but every other season is crazy too. So we gotta adjust as well as the the skilled owners that we are. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think the NFL is gonna go pretty smooth. I think we get all sixteen games in with minor hiccups, and I think the NFL is also gonna do a bubble for the playoffs because you can't can't be canceling those games. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, feels good to be back. But I am overly stressed. There is too much going on. Yeah, Kentucky Derby is in two days. It is overwhelming. Yeah, we we can't even talk about that. We don't we don't yeah. have time. But yeah, MLB. It's it feels like I just got my days with the Cubs back, and they they lost today, and that's their thirty seventh game. So more than halfway can, through. Yeah, yeah, twenty three left, and then it's over. And four games this weekend. It's a beautiful feeling. Austin, you got any last words? You have anything you like to talk to me about? Uh, no, I'm good. Glad. All to be right. Back. Hey. Great to be here. Uh, happy Derby, everybody. Uh, O'Shea's Irish Pub, Thrive Fantasy Sports, TTYL. TTYL.